Precision medicine, is it hype or help, fact or fiction? Welcome to Precision Insight. This is a podcast series where the most influential thought leaders and innovators in healthcare sit with me to chat about the latest technologies and tools of precision medicine. What is coming up in the near future? If you want to know more about this incredibly fast-moving field of research and development, stay tuned. Hello, everyone. I am your host, Roy St. Clair from Genexus Healthcare Systems. Today's guest is someone who we've been very excited to speak with for some time to do her extensive work to make medications safer and more personalized. This guest is Catherine, or Katie Caps, co-founder and executive director of the GTMRX Institute, as well as the founder and president of Health2 Resources. As executive director of GTMRX, Katie provides leadership in supporting the Institute's mission and goals, including establishing and managing relationships with stakeholders across the healthcare spectrum. As a GTMRX founding board member, she works alongside other board members and collaboratively sets the strategy of growth and activities of the organization. Katie has a long history of collaboration in multi-stakeholder environments. As Health2 Resources' founder and president, she and her team have helped more than 35 clients meet advocacy, policy, outreach, marketing, and awareness goals. H2R was instrumental in the launch of the Patient-Centered Primary Care Collaborative, lending expertise for organizational development and marketing and communications. She has served on the board of the Washington Adventist Health Foundation, the Institute for Health and Productivity Management Advisory Board, the Healthcare Industry Access Initiative and ME Solutions. She served on the board of the National Business Coalition on Health and its National Advisory Board and on the NCQA Purchaser Committee. She writes on topics related to quality, healthcare costs, market-based healthcare reform, and the value of shared health information. Katie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Rory. I am delighted to be here. Well, we are delighted to have you. I think one of the first reasons we reached out was our fascination with your work at GTMRX. So perhaps could you give us a synopsis of GTMRX and the work at that organization? Sure, I'd be glad to. The Get the Medications Right Institute brings together stakeholders from medicine, from pharmacy, employers and insurers and policymakers and others to optimize health outcomes and reduce costs by getting the medications right. And our goal as an organization to ensure appropriate and personalized use of medications by advancing a scientific and evidence-based and cost-effective decision-making process. When I say that, we're talking basically about a team-based and systematic approach to using medications. We believe that that approach is comprehensive medication management, or CMM. To offer your listeners a definition of CMM, it's the standard of care that ensures that each patient's medications, whether they're prescription or non-prescription, alternative or traditional vitamins or nutritional supplements, are individually assessed to determine that each medication is appropriate for the patient, effective for the medical condition, safe given the comorbidities and other medications being taken, and then able to be taken by the patient as needed. There's so much in that that's important, you know, in terms of getting the medications right for the right patient at the right time, and really taking that evidence-based lens to look at them. As you're working with organizations at GTMRX, what's the most significant pain point that GTMRX is helping them address? Well, that's pretty easy. It's basically suboptimal use of medications. 
Medication therapy problems are a top preventable cause of serious adverse health events and avoidable hospital readmissions. And this is well-documented. Avoidable illness and death that results from non-optimized medication therapy basically led to a a 275,000 avoidable deaths and cost of about $528 billion. And that's from a study done in 2016. And in 2016, that $528 billion was 16% of the annual U.S. healthcare spend. So people are dying because they don't have access to the right dose of the right medication at the right time, or because medications that they are taking alone or in combination with other medications are causing treatment failures and new medical problems or both. So CMM increases patient access to medication experts, particularly in the primary care setting, because it allows primary care physicians to work with the team and work with that team collaboratively to manage her patient's medication problems or medications. And at the Institute, we believe that those medication experts or clinical pharmacists working in collaborative practice with the physician can prevent or identify and resolve medication therapy problems. So CMM basically, Roy, means moving to a more rational, team-based, systematic, person-centered approach to medication management that effectively and efficiently connects the right medications to the right patient, the right dosage, the right time in order to reach clinical goals of therapy. And that's, that's how we believe CMM will help solve for the problem of the 275,000 lives lost a year or the $528 billion in waste. That is such a striking problem, that problem of medication non-personalization for clinical reasons and financial reasons and, importantly, ethical reasons. And CMM, as you frame it here, is a very compelling solution to it. But surely, you know, people have heard of CMM before. Is there a common myth about CMM that people are getting wrong when they think about CMM? Yeah, and thank you for asking that question. And there's an easy answer to that question. I think the common myth is that all medication management is alike. You wouldn't refer to all cars as Lamborghinis, and you wouldn't refer to all vegetables as broccoli. So think of CMM as different from, but similar to medication therapy management. CMM keeps being conflated with medication therapy management, and we frequently hear the terms used interchangeably, and that's just wrong because CMM is a team-based process of care where the team members are working in collaborative uh, practice with a physician to ensure that medications are safe, effective, and appropriate. That's really important, that distinction between MTM and CMM, and this one piece of it, it being team-based and collaborative. Are there other differences that exist between MTM, as people understand it, and CMM? Yeah, there's a technical answer to that, and that would be CMM is not linked to Medicare Part D and is akin to other healthcare services performed as part of Medicare Part D. 
And you, of course, know that Medicare Part D are the medical services. But in reality, MTM encompasses all types of medication management. So CMS adopted the term medication therapy management. But the term or versions of it have been used loosely, and it's taken on many different meanings over the years. So it's hard to say what medication therapy management is, but what it isn't is comprehensive. It really comes down to this. I mean, CMM provides a systematic, whole person, and person-centered approach to medication management. For instance, CMM includes an assessment of a patient's complete clinical status. So it's not just about how many prescriptions are being taken by an individual, but rather is that person reaching their clinical goals of therapy. Another important difference would be in MTM, it's often unclear exactly what the intervention is and what steps are being taken to care for the patient. So CMM, in contrast, requires a follow-up to confirm that changes were made and that they produce the intended outcome, which is medication optimization. CMM also includes the patient as an active and engaged member of the team. At the risk of belaboring the point, and just for points of clarification, Roy, part of the reason for the confusion is when CMS instituted this under Medicare Part D and called it medication therapy management, many more sophisticated CMM programs like programs that are currently provided in the Minnesota market call their programs MTM, but what they are actually providing is comprehensive medication management services. I think a final point that's important to make is that CMM is not a standalone adherence program. Adherence is just one component of the CMM process. CMM is not comprehensive medication management review or disease state medication management, or medication reconciliation, those standalone discrete components. CMM is the comprehensive provision of all of those component parts. It's comprehensive, whole person, person-centered, and a solution to that $528 billion problem. I think it really is brilliant. What you have described is a system that is holistic. It aims for completeness. It is collaborative and focused on outcomes. And that systematic nature of it means that you really are treating it as its own discipline. It is its own discipline. This is an important problem that requires sustained focus. I think that's really excellent. It's what's needed with the scale of problem as you described. Not to go into too much more detail, but what are the critical steps for you to achieve success with comprehensive medication management? So there's so many directions that I could take this question, but to keep it simple and focus, I think I'll talk about three foundational components of CMM in practice. If a physician's practice or a community health center or a company commits to delivering comprehensive medication management services, what they need to do is put in place or ensure that they have what we call a CMM philosophy of practice. And this is work from Todd Sorens and Mary Roth McClurg. They've published on this extensively, and we are happy to share some of that with your listeners. But the CMM philosophy of practice is basically a set of professional values and beliefs held within a discipline that serve to guide individuals 
practitioner's actions and behaviors. And it instills trust in the care deliverer. Um, the second area is CMM patient care process. And the CMM patient care process is basically a common definition and approach to CMM delivery. And it establishes a common language for the provision of CMM services. So that gets us back to our earlier discussion about how CMM is not MTM. CMM requires an interprofessional team with a division of labor based on expertise in therapeutics and skill sets, training and education. So, for example, in that team-based setting, the physician solves the difficult diagnostic dilemmas and establishes a care plan for that individual patient. So, from there, other team members step up and, based on their areas of expertise, perform activities involved in CMM. We've outlined that as 10 steps to achieve comprehensive medication management. Some of those steps are you have to identify patients that have not achieved clinical goals of therapy. Second, you need to understand the patient's personal medication experience, the patient's history, their preferences and beliefs. Third, you have to identify actual use patterns of all the medications that that individual is on. That would include over-the-counter medications, bioactive supplements, and prescribed medications. And fourth, I think it's important that, that the listeners recognize that you need to assess each medication for appropriateness, effectiveness, and safety, and adherence. Because the focus is on achievement of the clinical goals for each therapy. So for those of you listening, I think you recognize that we don't even touch on adherence until you've gone through some very important steps. And then fifth, it's important that you be able to identify all drug therapy problems. Once that has occurred, you develop a medication plan, which links with the care plan to address recommendations and steps that include therapeutic changes, if necessary, needed to achieve optimal outcomes. You include the patient, which is a next step, to ensure that they understand the care plan, which is communicated to the prescriber or provider for content and support. And then it's important to document all the steps in current clinical status versus goals of therapy. And then finally, CMM is an iterative process, so it's important that you follow up. It's critical in to determine effects of the changes that were made and to reassess actual outcomes and recommend further therapeutic changes. Now, as you can tell what I've outlined, it assumes that information is available to the team at the point of care. And that information includes diagnostic information, patient history, their experience, and their beliefs. The third component that Mary Roth McClurg with the University of North Carolina Eshelman School of Pharmacy and Todd Sorensen from Minnesota outlined is the importance of a CMM practice management system. And that includes a regular assessment of both the structural and system level supports that are needed to effectively implement and sustain CMM in practice. That is 
fantastic to hear. I listened to you talk through that. It is a very comprehensive way, uh, not to <laughs> reuse the word too much, but it's a very comprehensive way to bring a whole team together around an individual and their medications and how can we create personalization and safety. And I like how you say adherence is one piece of it, but there's so much more. There's so much happening there to ensure that they're getting the right medications at the right time, that they're working for them. I really think getting down to that patient level view of what is working and isn't is so critical. But at this point, I think it could be helpful to shift the conversation a little bit and ask where you see further personalization coming into the process or even precision. And perhaps can you describe how you see pharmacogenomics or pharmacogenetics fitting into the CMM process? Absolutely. With the Institute, we also believe that optimal medication use may require advanced diagnostics. I mean, Clearly, precision medicine enabled by advanced diagnostics enhances the provider's knowledge of an individual's response to a specific drug. So pharmacogenomics testing specifically, we have a work group that's focused on personalized use of medications, and that group has started their evaluation with pharmacogenomics testing. So pharmacogenomics testing is a companion and complementary diagnostic tool that can be accessed during the CMM process. And when combined with the delivery of CMM services, we strongly believe that that helps address the problems of non-optimized medication use, especially adverse drug reactions and lack of efficacy. So when integrated with a CMM program, pharmacogenomics testing allows for precisely fitted and delivered medical care based on the unique characteristics of an individual patient's genetic profile, plus their lifestyle and environment. So in short, we at the Institute believe that it provides a path to optimize medication use. And we also believe that if you want maximum effectiveness from pharmacogenomics testing, it should be combined with the service component that CMM offers. Absolutely. When we talk to pharmacists and they are trying to operate at the top of their license and provide higher quality services for their patients, often in collaborative care models, we really hear from them that pharmacogenetics is an important part of their toolkit to be able to you know, get down to the real personalizing information quickly. So it's fascinating to hear you talk about that. To talk of any specific examples, how have you seen pharmacogenetics actually help in that optimization problem? Or, or have you to date? Well, I mean, you know, testing allows pharmacists, as you mentioned, and physicians to find the right medication for the patient, and it improves the likelihood of that success. And it also optimizes treatment outcomes for patients. So I'll give you three examples. We're also, Roy, about to release some documents. Our work groups have been hard at work since we released our blueprint for change back in July. They have been hard at work identifying use cases and research that will illuminate some of these things as well. But just three examples in what way pharmacogenomics could provide a path to optimize medication use. Drug gene interactions, you know, we believe that can help providers identify drug gene interactions in patients that as they relate to some of the 
things such as experimental COVID-19 treatments that are happening. Now, drug-gene interactions are similar to drug-drug interactions. Uh, mutation in a specific gene can cause adverse events when paired with certain drugs. So by identifying those interactions, pharmacogenomics can help guide safer and more targeted treatments. A second area would be susceptibility to infection. I mean, pharmacogenomics testing can help clinicians understand how a patient's genetic makeup influences the likelihood of contracting the virus and the level of severity. Mental health diagnosis. Pharmacogenomics can help patients with mental health diagnosis get on the right treatment faster. But I think it's important to mention that pharmacogenomics testing is not a silver bullet, but is a diagnostic tool used in conjunction with the process of care, like comprehensive medication management. It can significantly impact our approach to the treatment of disease and the management of medications. Because as you well know, our current trial and error method will one day give way to a more personalized and targeted approach to medication use. That's absolutely the case. You know, we have a saying at Genexus where we think of pharmacogenetics as being one important variable amongst many. And to make use of those variables in the direction of improved patient outcomes, they really have to be in a tool in the hands of a provider living in a system and a process that is all enabling of that goal. Uh, so I think, you know, this uh, scope or this thinking around comprehensive medication management is really a nice place to fit. But with that, I think it could be useful to ask you how it does fit into the CMM process. You, you outlined what I think is a very thoughtful and detailed framework for how CMM should work. And pharmacogenetics has some specific issues. How do you see it fitting into the CMM process? You know, there's some essential factors I think we need to consider first in looking at how it fits within CMM. I mean, there's an obvious answer to that, and that is it's an important diagnostic tool and having access to that information at, at the point of care for both the clinical pharmacist and the prescriber or the physician working in collaborative practice can offer great insight. But I think some of the essential factors that need to be considered are things like we need to fully integrate pharmacogenomics testing services into the pharmaceutical care process or what we call comprehensive medication management. So it really supports data-driven clinical decision-making. And when we're talking about data-driven clinical decision-making, we're talking about having that information, clinical information, available to the team at the point of care. And then I think, secondly, we need to ensure that providers and payers and when we talk about payers at the Institute, we're not only talking about medical carriers, but we're talking about employers as health plan sponsors. So we need to ensure that there are no barriers to access to the point of care information. And at the same time, those activities that occur to identify those that have not achieved clinical goals of therapy should not only be rewarded, but should be activities within the contractual arrangements with high-performing networks. Third, we believe, or from a specific activity, that we've got to promote precision medicine literacy, particularly among providers. 
We're talking about physicians and primary care specialists, et cetera, and also among patients to ensure that everyone is aware of the role in care that this offers and that they can apply it in an appropriate way for patients. We also believe that we should enable this evidence-based process and strategies that will support precision medicine as a tool used in the CMM process. And finally, beyond the walls of the practice, we need to strengthen the relationship between the FDA and laboratories that provide pharmacogenomics testing. So what I hear is a very strong case for a role to play for pharmacogenetics in comprehensive medication management. But surely, from your vantage point, you also see some challenges. Can you point out what some of those challenges are, You know how you think the industry is going to have to change to overcome them, and whether you really see technology as being a part of that solution package? Yeah, and to your point, Roy, pharmacogenomics testing is complex, and it's evolving. And that makes it a complicated story to tell, much less to understand. But we know that it offers tremendous potential to personalize treatment and care of individuals and also to optimize medication therapy. Uh, Certainly, it's one of our four pillars. Use of companion and complementary diagnostics is one of the four pillars of the Institute. We just need to deliver that message and create a standardized approach to the care process. I think the other challenge, Roy, is uptake. As researchers continue to identify gene variations that can affect the way a drug works, the routine use of pharmacogenomics testing really needs to increase. Unfortunately, although physicians have begun using pharmacogenomics data to determine which medication to prescribe, testing is routine only for certain conditions, such as HIV and some cancers. So I think there's real opportunity to educate the prescribers, primary care physicians, specialists, et cetera, and educate consumers so they understand what they can expect in that discussion with their care team. As for technology, Roy, the technology behind pharmacogenomics testing is amazing, but the challenge is to move that data to the point of care, as I mentioned before, to the electronic health record. What we find is there's the receipt of reports, but they're not necessarily integrated into the EHR, and that makes it difficult. And we're not talking about scanned PDFs. A lot of times it goes into the EHR through a scanned PDF. That data needs to be uploaded into the medical record in a discrete format, because through that, the information is available to the entire team. And it's available to the entire team in real time. This isn't about just pharmacogenomic data. For for CMM to succeed and for this type of companion and complementary diagnostics tool to succeed, we need to integrate technology to access to information at the point of care to optimize medication use. And we think that only then, you know, we'll be able to integrate all the data we need, you know, air data, patient-generated data, population health data, diagnostic results, and pharmacogenomics data. 
that vision of making sure that the information needed for comprehensive medication management is discreetly available, uh, embedded in the medical record, powered by decision support. That's very much our vision here at Genexus, and I'm, I'm really glad to hear you. You highlight that. But with that, Kitty, you've been very gracious with your time. We very much appreciate having you on the show. Would you be able to tell our listeners where they might be able to find you to you know, catch some of your reading or the research out of GTMRX? Yeah, thank you for asking that, Roy. If you want any additional information on the Get the Medications Right Institute, you can go to our website, which is www.gtmr.org. We'd love for you, your listeners, to become a signing member of the Institute. And there is information on how to do that on our website. It is free. We just expect that all members of the Institute agree to a certain set of belief statements. So thank you, Roy, for the opportunity. It's such a pleasure to speak with you today. And I thank you for allowing us to tell our story and what we see as most important in order to achieve appropriate use of medications for all of us. Thank you so much, Katie. It was great having you here and have an excellent day. Thanks.